Well, amen. Let's look in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to share a message entitled, uh, We Beheld His Glory. I was reading my Bible this week, and the Lord gave me this message. As I was reading through it, just uh, the text verse just really jumped off the page at me. And uh, really, when you think about Christmas, is about beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so John chapter 1 uh, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Uh, that was uh, the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, Lord, we rejoice in the goodness of our God, and certainly this time of the year as we celebrate the birth of Christ, uh, our hearts are moved with great joy and anticipation of all that God will do in us and through us, and certainly, Lord, we want to be a great testimony of your grace during this Christmas season. We're thankful that Jesus Christ came into the world, and because he came in the world, we could be held, hold his glory. And Lord, I pray that uh, this morning that there may be someone with us that's never been saved and never came to a personal relationship with Christ. I pray that they might be touched by God today. Uh, I pray the glory of God might come down on this place, and we might be able to experience and move an anointing and a touch from God Almighty. And I pray, Lord, for the soul that might not be saved, that they might get saved today. I pray for every believer this morning, that we would be uh, built up in the faith, uh, we would be challenged to be a witness and a testimony of all these things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We, John says, we beheld his glory. You know, David Jeremiah said this, said all the Christmas presents in the world are worth nothing without the presence of Christ. And the world tries to celebrate Christmas apart from acknowledging Christ. And they wonder why they can't be happy. They wonder why they're discouraged. They wonder why they're depressed. And I wonder why they can't seem to grab a hold of any joy. Uh, you can give people all the presents you want, but if they don't have Christ, they have nothing. Amen. And uh, I know what it is to live uh, in a state where you can't 
in a situation in your life where you can't buy presents for Christmas. There's been many years my wife and I could not buy presents for one another, but I'm going to tell you, it did not diminish our joy at Christmas. Now, there's been many times when the others we've tried to be a help to and encourage that absolutely had nothing uh, other than Christ, and their joy was not diminished because they did not have material uh, possessions. And sometimes I think we forget that the joy of Christmas and the excitement of Christmas is the presence of Jesus Christ, and we beheld his glory, John says. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale said this, I truly believe that if we keep telling the Christmas story, singing the Christmas songs, and living the Christmas spirit, we can bring joy and happiness and peace to this world. And I, I think the, the problem uh, in the world is that Christians are not singing about Christ anymore. They're singing about worldly things, we're pursuing worldly things, we're rejoicing in what we can accomplish in the work of our own hands, and we wonder why the world is progressively moving farther and farther away from Christ. And, and uh, just here in the state of New Jersey, uh, laws that are being passed that are absolutely anti-God and anti-church. And uh, it's becoming very aggressive and very open, very demeaning. And uh, we turn, look at it and we say, well, I don't understand what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening. We're not declaring the glory of God. We need to be vocal, we need to be present, we need to be bold, we need to speak forth the truth, and we need not to compromise who we are as believers in Christ. And so I would have to say amen to Norman Vincent Peale stating that, that a real joy and happiness and peace in the world is going to come as we continue to communicate what Christmas is all about. John declares, we beheld his glory. Christmas is not about the events that take place. Now, we have all kinds of things that are going on this time of the year. We just had our Christmas program for our school. Uh, the choir is singing up at the nursing home this afternoon. We have our cantata next Sunday. We have Christmas Eve candlelight service. We have all these things going on, but Christmas is not about those events. Christmas is about Jesus Christ. It's about the glory of God being revealed to man in the person of Christ. And I think many times we get so caught up with the events of the season that we lose sight of the glory of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw on men unto me. Our theme for our church for this new year is he must increase. And Christ must be lifted up because if he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. If you want the church to, to grow, you want the church to increase, you want the church to be an impact and influence in the world, then Christ has to be lifted up, and he needs to be exalted. And so that ought to be our focus this Christmas season. You know, Psalm 50 and verse 15 says, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. We're talking about beholding the glory of God. When we turn to God when we're in trouble, God comes through for us, <clears throat> and we experience the glory of God. And uh, we really must, we really must live in the realm of faith, believing that all things are possible to him that believeth. 
And when we live in that realm, when we call on our God, he hears us and he responds to us, and then he gets the glory in the process. Psalm 86 in verse 9 says, All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. All the way through the Bible, you, I was looking up this word glory or glorified or glorifying. And, and all the way through the Bible, you see this concept that man is to glorify the God of heaven. And uh, when we glorify the God of heaven, we enter into this relationship where we can behold his glory. In uh, Psalm uh, 86, in verse 12, uh, says, I will praise thee, O Lord my God. With all my heart, I will glorify thy name forever. And so this Christmas time, it's time this time to season, certainly throughout the whole year, but especially right now during the Christmas season, uh, we ought to be praising the name of Jesus Christ, glorifying him and exalting him in every area of our life. I mean on the job, I mean in the store, I mean in the car, I mean in your home, I mean in every relationship that you have. We ought to be praising the name of God and we're lifting up the name of Jesus Christ, glorifying him and entering into a relationship based on the glory of God Almighty. John said we beheld his glory. Oh, how the world needs to see a glimpse of the glory of God in the believers in Christ. Well, when you think about this, we beheld his glory. I think we beheld his glory by angelic testimony, angelic to testimony. Uh, look back in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, angelic testimony. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. About it stood the seraphims, each, of, uh, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory." And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is, I, uh, uh, woe is me, for I am undone, uh, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, and uh, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken out, I'm sorry, taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he had laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. As I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Angelic testimony. Notice there's angelic testimony of the glory of God around the throne of God. The wonderful thing is, as you look into the, the realm of heaven, as the Bible opens the door for us to do that, uh, we are able to see the angels around the throne of God praising the Lord and bringing glory to his name. 
Notice it was a powerful exaltation of Christ. Isaiah said he saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And the angels around the throne of God are enjoying the glory of God (coughs) by the exaltation of Jesus Christ on the throne of heaven. It's powerful exaltation. If the angels of heaven testify of the exaltation of Christ, shouldn't we as believers in Christ be focused on exalting his name above every other name? And so it's a powerful exaltation, angelic testimony. Not only that, but it's a mutual communication. In verse 3, and one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy. They're not in conflict with the message. They're crying one towards another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know, Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the amazing thing is the testimonies of the angels of heaven around the throne of God are in total complete agreement with one another that God is holy, 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 and that God's glory fills the earth. And man is to fall in humility before the glory and the holiness of an almighty God. So it's a mutual communication. I think we ought to be in agreement together as believers that Christ is king. We ought to be in agreement together that there's only one way of salvation, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. We must be in agreement together that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And so there must be a mutual communication. We cannot send out a confusing message of multiple ways of salvation at Christmas. We need to send out a one message that there is one way to heaven and one God that we trust, and that's Jesus Christ. And so there's a mutual communication in heaven by the angels around the throne of God. Notice there's a personal expectation in verse 7 and 8. He laid it upon my mouth and, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. There is a personal expectation a personal expectation by the Lord. He purges our iniquity. He cleanses our sins. Uh, He removes our iniquities from us. And the response is, okay, there, there is an expectation from God that you respond to the call of God and the move of God in your life. There is a personal expectation by Isaiah himself because right away he identifies the fact that he is a man of undi- that is undone. He acknowledges the fact that if God is willing to call and purge my sins, then I'm willing to say, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do that. And so the angelic testimony around the throne in heaven uh, places a great personal expectation upon everyone that is involved. I'm telling you right now, I really believe with all my heart that the angels in heaven are crying out praise and worship to the God of heaven with an expectation that those creatures on the face of this earth that's been born again, that's us, 
that have been saved by the blood of the Lamb are going to rejoice and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So there's an angelic testimony around the throne of heaven. I see there's not only the angelic testimony, but I see Mary and Joseph's uh, testimony, angelic testimony in reference to around the throne of God, but then also to Mary and Joseph. In Luke chapter 1, in uh, verse 26 and 27, uh, we see that there is a heavenly calling that goes out to Mary and Joseph. In uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Angelic testimony, not just around the throne of God, but an angelic testimony that extends to Mary and Joseph. And the testimony is this. It was a heavenly calling that God had placed upon them, that God was going to use them to be the vessels through which will communicate the message of salvation because of the Messiah that would be born. Uh, Mary would give birth uh, to Jesus Christ by a miraculous conception. In uh, chapter 1 of Luke, in verse 31, says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And so the angelic testimony is one of a heavenly calling as the angels of heaven come down to earth to speak to Mary and to confirm in the heart of Joseph that what is going on and what is Mary's experiencing is nothing more than something that was divinely ordained of God to take place, that she would be the vessel that would be used to bring the Son of God, Emmanuel, into this world. That had to be a miraculous conception because of the fact that man transmits sin from one person to the next person to the next person. <coughs> and so there would have to be a virgin birth in order for Jesus to be born sinless. Because each child that is conceived receives their sin nature from the man. And if the man was not a part of the conception of Jesus Christ, then Jesus could be conceived without sin. And uh, there are many who do not believe in the virgin birth. There are many who believe that the virgin birth is perpetual, that Mary is always a virgin. In reality, uh, Mary and Joseph had children, sons and daughters, after uh, uh, Jesus was born. Uh, many believe that uh, she was just a young girl. It, she wasn't a young girl. She was a virgin. And uh, the major doctrinal position of believers in Christ is the testimony that we behold the glory of God because the angels announced that there was a heavenly calling and there would be a miraculous conception of Jesus Christ. If he was not conceived miraculously, then he was conceived <coughs> just like everyone else, and he's no different than anyone else. And he's just merely a teacher. He's just merely a prophet. Uh, he's just a mere, merely a holy man. He is not God in the flesh, and he is not the eternal Son of God, the only begotten Son 
of the Father in heaven. So there has to be a miraculous conception uh, to know that and identify that. So there's a heavenly calling, a miraculous conception, and then there's a glorious conqueror. Luke chapter 1 and verse 32 says, He shall be great. It identifies what his name is in verse 31. Then it identifies his character. The angel's identifying his character in verse 32. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Uh, he literally would be a glorious conqueror. Uh, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, when Jesus Christ came into this world, he came into this world to die on Calvary, to defeat sin, defeat death, defeat the devil. Uh, he came into this world to be a victor, to be a conqueror. And people want to take and pass off this idea that Christ is the ruling king because they want a passive individual to try to control and to manipulate. No, he is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he is in that position as the glory of God is revealed by angelic testimony, not just around the throne of heaven, but to Mary and to Joseph. Well, in Luke chapter 2, we see this angelic testimony extending before the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. And uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us uh, about Mary and Joseph have to go down to Bethlehem because of the taxing situation when she would give birth. And then in verse 8 it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and here it is, And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then in verse 13 it says, And suddenly there was with the angels a, a, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill, a peace, goodwill towards man. And so we see the angelic testimony around the throne of heaven, the angelic testimony to Mary and Joseph, and we see the angelic testimony uh, before the shepherds. Notice, first of all, it was by divine revelation. In verse 9, it says, And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of God of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Divine revelation. Uh, I don't know about you, I'd be like the shepherds. I'd be sore afraid too also, amen? If I saw what they saw of the glory of God being revealed by the angelic host that came down to announce the birth of Christ, I'd be afraid also. Divine revelation. I'm thankful that God in a divine revelation and reverence to who he is in reference to his grace and in reference to his mercy is willing to reveal to all mankind that his son is coming into this world. And so it's by divine revelation. Notice this angelic testimony was a designed salvation. 
in verse 6, I mean, verse 10, an angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I give, bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God had a design, plan, and purpose for man to be saved. God didn't have to come up with a plan when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. God who is omniscient, uh, God who is before anything and after everything, the God who knows everything from before the beginning until after the end, uh, knew what would be the condition of man and what would be necessary to deliver man and God designed for his glory to be revealed in the announcement of the angels to the shepherds that, wait a minute, there is one who is born who is a savior who will bring salvation to his people. So there's a divine revelation. Uh, there's a design salvation. And then in verse 13 and 14, there's deliberate celebration. That's why in verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. I'm just saying this. If the angels of heaven can celebrate the birth of Christ, I'm going to tell you this, we ought to be willing to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. If the angels of heaven, I'm sure they were sitting up there, oh, praise the Lord, Jesus has come, oh, glorious day. I don't think they were doing that at all. I believe the heavens lit up. I believe that the hosts of heaven were announcing and celebrating and rejoicing, singing loudly and gladly and expressedly in celebration of the fact that Jesus Christ was coming because he was going to satisfy the demands of a holy God in offering himself as a sacrifice for the sins of man. Angelic testimony reveals to us that there ought to be a deliberate celebration. It doesn't just start. It doesn't just happen. You have to decide you're going to praise the Lord. And uh, it's a deliberate celebration uh, before these shepherds in the field. So angelic testimony. We beheld his glory, John said. I see there's not only angelic testimony, but there's also human experience. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 18, we know Jesus comes into the temple and reads from the scriptures. And, and human experience is this. There is a message of deliverance. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 18, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus reading from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The word anointed means to give authority to, to establish a position of authority. God had anointed Jesus to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15 tells us it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Christ came to preach the gospel, came to preach his death, burial, and resurrection. To preach the gospel to the poor, <clears throat> he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Many a person this morning uh, an American around the world is brokenhearted. Many a person is weeping today. Many a person has no hope today. But Jesus Christ came, was anointed of God to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives, to recovering the, of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ came so that humans could experience a message of deliverance. And uh, if you're here this morning, you're not saved, you're in bondage. If you're not saved, you're blinded by the God of this world. If you're not saved, you have no hope. But Jesus Christ came into this world and we do behold the glory of God through the message of deliverance that Jesus Christ brings to us. And he sets the captive free. Many a person is bound up by drugs and alcohol and pornography and everything else that you can think of that goes on in this world that is just a world that is filled with depravity and debauchery. But God is the one who sets us free from all those things. It's a message of deliverance. It's a message of hope. He came to give <coughs> a message of hope. In Romans 15 and 4, says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, <clears throat> that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. This Bible was written, the Word of God was revealed to man so that we might have hope. Everything was written for us, our admonition, that we might know who God is and experience the glory of God in our life, that we might be able to have hope for tomorrow. Hebrews 6 and 18 says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have our strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. I tell you, things are getting bad. Things are going to get worse. It ain't going to get better. The Bible says there's going to be a one-world government. The Bible says that Christians are going to be persecuted. The Bible says that the evil one will, will reign. But it also says that Jesus Christ is coming again to defeat the evil one. And so there, we have hope when everything is falling apart. When everything is going wrong, we still have hope because Jesus Christ came. I see it was also a message of deliverance, a message of hope. It was a message for all. It was a message for all. And it was a message for all uh, because of the fact that uh, uh, John chapter 1 and verse 12 where we read uh, that we can become the sons of God. And John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You're not automatically a son of God. You're not born as a son of God. When you're conceived in your mother's womb and you are born, you are born as the creation of God. But you do not become a son of God until you believe on Jesus Christ. And Christ came into this world that we might have hope, we might have deliverance, and that all men could become the sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Not only was these the sons of God, but it was a message for all that Jesus is the revealer of God. John chapter 1 and verse 18, no man hath seen God at any time. Always like these people say, well, I had a vision of God. No, you didn't. You ate too much pepperoni pizza before you went to bed. <laughs> oh, well, you don't understand. I died and I went to heaven. I told the Lord I wanted to go back. Uh, hey, that worked out real good for Lazarus, didn't it? <laughs> 
In Luke chapter 16, a rich man cried out to Abraham, send Lazarus, send Lazarus back. And what did Abraham say? Oh, no, he can't go back. Uh, he isn't going back. Uh, they need to listen to Moses and the prophets. God doesn't send people back from heaven. Uh, we have to be, Hollywood does these movies on people coming back to life. And when he went to heaven, I had one preacher, one that televangelist was going on and on. And he said, I was in heaven and the Lord told me I had to stay there. And I got an argument with God. That's what I did. I told God, I got work to do. I got to go back. And so God sent me back. I thought, you fool. There, there, the, if you were talking to a God, maybe you did meet with God. Maybe you did argue with a God. But it wasn't the God of heaven. No man has seen God, the only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So we, we behold the glory of God through the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're sons of God, there's a revealer of God, he's the Lamb of God. John the Baptist would see Jesus coming in John 1.29. says the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. You know, we would not be able to be redeemed. We would not be able to be forgiven if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world to die as the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb of God, so that we can be redeemed by the blood. And so human experience, beholding the glory of God. It's not just an angelic testimony. It's by human experience. John R. Rice said this, you can never truly enjoy Christmas until you look up into the Father's face and tell him you have received his Christmas gift. The gift that God has for all mankind at Christmas is Jesus Christ. If you've not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm telling you today is the day of salvation. I'm telling you the gift of eternal life is for yours, for you to be able to enjoy and to experience. Uh, God provided a way for human beings to be saved and experience the glory of God. And that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Billy Graham said this, <clears throat> the very purpose of God, Christ's coming in the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. This is the heart of Christmas. The amazing thing is this. Everybody looks at Christmas and they have all kinds of plans and all kinds of ideas and all kinds of focus and all kinds of action and all kinds of things that go on at Christmas time that absolutely have nothing, has nothing to do with why Jesus Christ came into this world. He came into this world to die for our sins that we might be saved. And so we have angelic, angel, angelic, the angels in heaven testifying to the glory of God. And we have human beings experiencing the glory of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Then I thought about this. I thought about beholding the glory of God, eternal sovereignty, eternal sovereignty. <clears throat> First of all, eternal sovereignty by prophecy, by prophecy. 
Isaiah 7, 14, just one of some 300 and some verses that deal with the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus Christ by prophecy. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. See, God didn't require man to come up with a sign. God didn't place it on religion to come up with a sign. God didn't look to the world to be able to establish a means of revelation, acknowledgement. It says, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. And here it is. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. By Bible prophecy, Jesus Christ declares the glory of God by eternal sovereignty. He has the rightful position of reigning over this creation because of the fact that he is Emmanuel, God with us. So by prophecy. Eternal sovereignty, not just by prophecy, but with possibilities. I like that, possibilities. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says, "...and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus." For he shall save his people from their sins. The possibilities that people can be saved. People can still be saved in 2019. And uh, sometimes I think we forget about that. But the reality is Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And it's possible for you to be saved today. God is not willing that anyone should perish. People always tell me, I just don't understand. You're not going to tell me what kind of a God that says he's a God of love will send people to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God created hell for the devil and his angels. And if somebody goes to hell, it's because they are born in sin, separated from God, and they will not trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. He provided a way for you to be saved. The possibility is that all men can be saved. Jesus said, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. The man says, I don't need Jesus. I have my own life. I have my own religion. I have my job. I have my health. And all those things can be taken from you just like that. And you have nothing. Possibilities that you might be saved. Eternal sovereignty of Christ by prophecy with possibilities. And then endure permanently. Isaiah 9, 7 says, And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That's permanent. Permanent. Uh, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And I thought of this. In Matthew chapter 16, in verse 19, we see this enduring kingdom of God, the kingdom on the earth. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, Jesus told Peter, he said, I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He has an enduring kingdom on this earth. You say, well, people are getting wicked and people are getting away from God. Uh, there's still a kingdom on this earth. There is still the rule of Christ on this earth. We have received the keys of heaven. We have received the keys and the, the ability to open the way uh, to faith in Christ and enter into his kingdom. Our life is to be kingdom living. 
God doesn't save us to live in a secular world. God saves us to live in his kingdom. And we impact the secular world for Jesus Christ. And so it's an enduring, permanent kingdom on this earth. <coughs> we see there's a millennial, millennial kingdom. And uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Of such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. I, I heard one guy say, well, that's just allegorical. We don't know how long it's going to be. No, it's literal, a thousand years. The kingdom on this earth uh, will be fulfilled through Christ coming, rapturing his church to heaven, and uh, working through the tribulation period, bringing the judgment on this world through Israel, where multitudes of people will be saved. And as they're saved, they will enter into the millennial kingdom of Christ that will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. And we'll rule and reign with him. But then there's the eternal kingdom. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto thee these things in the church. I am the root of the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Eternal sovereignty of the glory of God, not just a kingdom on this earth, and a millennial kingdom that extends into an eternal kingdom. And so John, when he was writing of the birth of Christ, he says, we beheld his glory. Now, folks, it's Christmas time. We need to behold the glory of God. Amen. We need to communicate the glory of God. If you're here this morning, you're not sure you're saved. I want you to know that God loves you. He wants to save your soul. He wants to save you today. You need to come as we give you the invitation to come. Come, we'll open up the Bible and show you how to be saved. Saints of God, you're living a life in rebellion against God. It's time to get right with God. It's time to behold the glory of God again. It's time to rejoice in the goodness and the blessedness of a God who would save our wretched soul and worship and praise him uh, during this Christmas. We beheld held his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Thank you for the glory of God that we can, can be seen and revealed through the person of Christ. The angels spoke of it. Human, humans experienced it, and eternity embraces it. And so, God, I pray that we might be able to glorify you in 
our decision to surrender our heart, our life completely to it. I pray if there's someone here not saved, I pray they would come. We can show them how to be saved this morning. Pray for every believer, Lord, that we might grab a hold of the opportunities that we have to testify the great grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Bless in this invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.